Hi, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we strive to live life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast to help you plug in at Quest both in person and online. Now, let's dive into this week's teaching. Good morning, Quest. It's good to be here today, worshiping with you, and uh, I'm excited to be here. We're continuing the series that we've been in for a couple weeks now called Not on the Sidelines, Um, and we're, we're spending time talking about how we as a body of Christ can participate in the things of the church together, how the Holy Spirit pours out His gifts onto us, and how we get to use them within the body, and Um, Today, we're going to be talking about something that's uh, a little bit different. It's a strange phenomenon that happens in the church. It's it's uncommon, and sometimes it can feel awkward and odd. And uh, by definition, it's something that is uh, misunderstood. And uh, so today, we're going to be talking about speaking in tongues. And um, I actually have in my text, my manuscript here, that it's going to get weird today. So... um, but it's not really. In fact, if it were, then that would be an inappropriate. That's one of the things that we're going to talk about this morning is uh, how do we experience this gift in the body and allow it to be something that builds us up as a church. In fact, you're going to hear me say a couple of times uh, this very thing, that, that um, it's important for us when we think about any of the spiritual gifts, but in particular as we talk about tongues today, that it must be something that edifies the body, that builds us up as believers, or else uh, we're misusing it. Um, first of all, I want to tell you a little story. I was uh, in college. I used to spend Sundays trying to find a new church that I could um, fit into. I had moved away from my hometown, and I would go to different places uh, trying to find one that felt right for me. Uh, where I could really fit in, which is an important thing. Uh, for anybody who is, has looked for new churches or tried to find one, the fit matters, right? You know, we, we spend a lot of time at church. It's not just something that we come to on Sunday mornings or maybe a couple of other times during the week, but it's a place where we, uh, we join together with other believers. It's almost an extension of our family. And if you have kids, then you know that some of the people within the church can become even like surrogate parents to your children. And so the fit matters. The fit really matters. Uh, church is a place where um, we get to use our gifts and our abilities and, and um, our resources and our influence to worship God and to help build up the other believers around us. Uh, we, we are able to connect with brothers and sisters in Christ. And this whole thing about speaking in tongues is one of the ways that we build up the church. It's a way for us to participate in it. Anyway, as I was searching for a church in college, this one Sunday morning I gathered with my friends. We went to one of the bigger churches in town. And uh, they had this welcome class. I'm not going to mention the name of the church. It's a pretty well-known church in uh, Texas. Uh, but they had this welcome class. Welcome to our church. This is what you need to know about us. And uh, for 60 minutes during this Sunday school class, they begin to tell, tell us, you know, this is what's important. If you're going to fit in here, that you need to, you know, appreciate this. And, and, uh, and they spent the entire time uh, speaking uh, or talking about speaking in tongues. And I was kind of, 
Wow, it was, it was weird. I'll just say it was weird. I was like, what? Like, this is, this is the number one thing that you want us to know about you is speaking in tongues. And, and, and on top of that, they, they spent that 60 minutes teaching false doctrine. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't a religion major at the time, uh, but I had read enough of the Bible to, to know that um, it's important to teach the entire text, not just parts of the text that you want it to say what you want it to say. Um, and so I, I left that place just feeling uh, really strange. So I want to give a little disclaimer. Um, if you are new or newer to Quest, uh, today, this morning, we're not introducing to you tongues as a way to say, this is what you really got to know about us. Um, okay, it's, it's, it's really not. Uh, in fact, I've been here for six years, uh, and um, I really haven't seen the use of tongues uh, very often. It's come up in little places here and there, but, but rarely does, uh, does it, is it something that we um, use uh, in the ordinary settings for us. And, and, uh, and so, but, but I want to say again that um, it is an important part Speaking in tongues is an important part in the life of the church. It plays an important role, and we need to be um, ready to use it. However, I must state that it is uncomfortable. It's, it's something that is difficult. This is a supernatural thing, and because we're not necessarily comfortable with the supernatural, it can be uncomfortable for us. And, and um, so today I, I want to just talk about what tongues is, uh, why it exists, how it's used and misused in the Bible, and how it should be used here in our context. And so we're going to begin today with our core text from the series, which is 1 Corinthians 12. And so if you can turn with uh, uh, turn in your Bibles to, to 1 Corinthians 12, um, we're going to read about that. It, it is interesting, too. This is, um, this is a great text. It's a wonderful text. But Paul, as he's writing to the church in Corinth, um, he spends a lot of time talking about the spiritual gift of tongues. In fact, he uses parts of chapter 12, 13, and 14 to, to talk about this. And, and um, he, he, he mentions how the spiritual gifts are given to the church. They're designed to build it up, to help it mature, to help it grow. Um, and it's, it's also important to note here uh, where he places the tongues, the gift of tongues, in his list um, of spiritual gifts. Uh, because he does put it at the very end, because he knows its potential for abuse if it's not used in an orderly way. Uh, let's read 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. If you don't have your text, uh, the words are going to be on the screen. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7 is important for us to hear. In fact, underline it if you have a pen or a highlighter. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That's the building up of the church. We use the gifts, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives to glorify God and to build up the church. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit of utterance um, of wisdom and another utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. And last, to another, various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who portions to each one individually as he wills. And then Paul continues after this time. 
uh, to engage this spiritual gift, uh, hoping to teach the church to have a balanced view of tongues, a balanced view of the gifts, because he wants to mention that they're all important, all are beneficial for the church, but he exhorts the church to use the gifts out of love. And this is an interesting thing. In fact, many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's the chapter about love. It's Paul's hymn about love. Many of you have probably heard it in, at many wedding ceremonies. You know, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, right? That comes right after this dialogue about the spiritual gifts. And um, some people might think that's a weird place for this chapter in the Bible about love. Uh, but let me assure you, Paul wasn't sitting there writing 1 Corinthians 12, talking about the spiritual gifts, and all of a sudden had a stroke and started writing about love. That's not what he was doing. It's not what happened. He was doing it because he understood that the gifts, the spiritual gifts, particularly in the church of Corinth, um, were, were being misused. And, and love was necessary as the Christians, as the believers, were, were experiencing the manifestation of the Spirit. So what are tongues? How can it be misused? Here's the definition. Tongues are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit in which a person has a gift of speech that is unknown to him or her. These can be actual languages that are known to man. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2, which we're going to read about in a moment. Or they're sounds and syllables that are not understood in any way by man. A, not an intelligible language that we've ever heard. That's an angelic language. So we, we kind of have two categories of tongues here, okay? The key here, though, is that these languages, as they're being spoken, somehow they bypass the speaker, speaker's conscious mind. The speaker doesn't know what's being said. He only knows that it's a form of praise that's bubbling up out of him by the power of the Holy Spirit to God. So when this gift comes, what can happen is it can seem chaotic. It can seem um, disorderly. It can seem crazy. Here's a couple of passages of Scripture that, that speak to this very thing about how um, weird it looks. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 13, read this way. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? What's going on here is you have these, these men, these Jewish men who um, have just received the Holy Spirit. And there's these onlooking people who are now hearing these amazing things about God spoken in their own language. And Paul then starts to talk about where they're all from. How is it that we hear, verse 8, each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygria. He goes on and on. Um, this is not a comprehensive list of where everyone is from, but rather what Paul is doing, I'm sorry, what Luke is doing as he's writing this in, in Acts is he's saying there is this, this group of people that are from all over the area. 
They are, they are different. They are all very different based on their cultures and where they come from. And they're there in Jerusalem. And they hear the awesome power and acts of God in their own languages. Verse 11. Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But here's the interesting thing. Verse 13. But others sat on the outside of all this that was going on, and they they were looking in, and they mocked. They mocked them, saying they're filled with wine. Those people are drunk. Right? Another occurrence of this is in 1 Corinthians 14.23. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, giving them warning about tongues. And he says, even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things, they come into your church meeting and they hear, they hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they're going to think you're crazy. When tongues comes, when the Holy Spirit comes down and manifests himself this way, it can become a distraction. In Corinth, two things were going on that Paul's addressing here in, in 14 and, and the other verses and other chapters. One, uh, and, and this is why he talks about love in verse thir- or chapter 13 of Corinthians. See, the Corinthians believed that a person who had the gift of tongues was more special, they were more mature, they were closer to God than someone who didn't have the gift. And so they would show it off. It was like they would walk around puffed up, bragging about how close to God they were. I speak the angelic language. And then they would start to share. And then something else happened. The second thing that Paul is addressing, as people were doing it, another person would doing it, do it. And they would become louder than the last person. Then another would. And, uh, and you know, louder and louder and louder until it became this room full of people who are all babbling in unintelligible languages. It's kind of like if we were all here in this room and all of us at the same time started just saying things, speaking in English out loud, in English, mind you, out loud about what we're, you know, anything that we want to talk about. What happened this past weekend, what we're planning on doing this afternoon, how uh, amazing our life is, or whatever else. We all started speaking at the same time, those kinds of things. None of us would understand each other. In fact, more than likely, we wouldn't even know what we're saying to ourselves because it's so loud and raucous, Right? And here, this is what's happening in Corinth, except it's not in a language that they understand, but rather a language that's unrecognizable. And Paul is correcting them, saying, hey, tongues, by the way, is not a better gift than the others. You're not better than the other Christians because you can speak in tongues. And, and, and by the way, there needs to be some kind of order in your worship service because this isn't benefiting anyone. This is more like chaos here. In fact, he says this in chapter 14, starting in verse 1. He says, let love be your highest goal when you're in church. But you should also desire the special abilities of the Holy Spirit that he gives, especially the ability of prophecy For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, which is good, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more... I wish you could all prophesy, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues. Now, I want to I want to talk about this verse right here. 
Uh, for prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Understand, Paul's not saying prophecy is better than tongues. He's saying prophecy is better than tongues if no one can understand what the tongue is. When there's an interpretation, it's just as good as prophecy because it builds up the church. Verse 6, Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? It doesn't help at all. Not the church. So I'm going to stop here for a minute. Paul's got more to say, but ultimately this gets to the point. The gift of tongues is a good gift, and we should desire it as a believer. But it's not a gift that edifies the body unless it has a companion gift, and that's the gift of interpretation. I want to share two stories uh, this morning with you that demonstrate this point. One's from my father-in-law, and the other is from Micah Barnes. And these stories are going to demonstrate how both kinds of tongues that, that we've read about this morning, first in, like the one in Acts 2 and the other in um, 1 Corinthians, how both kinds of tongues, um, they, they need an interpretation in order to build up the church and to build up other believers. So this is my, my father-in-law's story, and this is um, taken from a blog called A Million God Stories, written by Pam Van Arsdal. And uh, this is a really powerful story. Listen to this. I was formerly an ordained minister in the United Methodist Church in Florida in the 1970s. In 1989, I was part of another network of churches, and I traveled with a group of pastors from various states to Warsaw, Poland, to attend the United Methodist Annual Conference. We had been invited to speak on John Wesley and the Holy Spirit. At the end of the conference, our group divided up and went to different places in Poland. And I went to Auschwitz, where I spoke at a small Pentecostal church. At the end of my message, I invited congregants to come forward for prayer. Five people came forward, and I prayed for each. Then a man approached from the side of the church. The man was massive, about six foot two and 260 pounds. He wore a rumpled suit, had a strong odor of alcohol and tobacco. His shoulders were slumped. His head was down. He made no eye contact and said nothing. His countenance was one of defeat. I put one hand on his back and the other on his chest. And then something happened that I've never experienced. This man felt like a cold, concrete pillar. And everything, everything inside of me shut down. I had nothing to say or pray for this man. I knew enough not to just make up something that sounded religious. But instead, I stepped back and just looked at him. And tears began squirting out of my eyes. I felt as if this man in front of me was the only person in the world and God was pouring his love through me into this man. I had an overwhelming and heartbreaking sense of love and mercy for him. I placed my hands on his chest and began praying out loud. I was crying and my words and tears were mixed together such that I sounded incoherent to myself. About 15 seconds elapsed and the man jerked upright and fell backwards onto the stage. The church members attended to him, and the wife of the pastor at this Pentecostal church told me that she knew this man well and assured me that he would be okay. I left the church with the pastor and his wife and didn't see the man again. As we ate dinner that evening, the pastor's wife asked me, How much Russian do you know? I answered, None. Why? She had a very puzzled look on her face and told me that I had spoken to the man who had fallen back on the stage in Russian. She told me that what I had said in Russian to the man when I prayed for him, quote, those who stole your heart and your life are smaller than I am. I, the Lord, am your Savior, and I've come to restore your heart so that you may have a new life, end quote. 
And I asked her why God would have used Russian words to speak to this man. We were in Poland, after all. Why not Polish? She answered that the Soviet system forced all Polish people to learn Russian and that the Russians had removed this man from, a, from teaching, a job that he loved, and forced him to work in a factory, a job that he hated. And his hate of Russians led him to alcoholism and depression. She said, I think the Lord chose to speak to him in Russian words of life and love so that he could forgive the Russians and trust God to be greater than they. It's a powerful story. It's a story of a man who didn't know a word of Russian but was given that gift by the Holy Spirit to speak it to that man. And once his words were interpreted, interpreted back to him, it built him up. It built that man up. It built the entire church up. And another story that I want to share with you this morning, actually Mike is going to share the bulk of it, um, came from our, our, our trip to Costa Rica. Welcome, Mike, to the stage. Um, and I, I want to encourage anybody who wants to come tonight at 6 p.m. to hear more stories like the one you're about to hear. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time of testimonies, uh, as many people that, uh, it, it's just great, it's great. So please come, 6 p.m., you can meet us in the gym, there's going to be food, it's going to be good. Um, join us, please, for that. Um, here's some brief context, though, about this story. So our group was about midway through the week, and we had been ministering to the church, helping them build some of the structures uh, that they needed, and uh, that night we were going to share more testimonies, our testimonies, with the, the members of the church. We were eating dinner, kind of relaxing before that time, and then all of a sudden, almost out of nowhere, there was this spiritual attack that began on one of the, the, the students, and um, it was... It was almost crazy when it when it happened. And so what we began to do is um, we began praying for him. There was one group that was laying hands on this student. Uh, and then another group, uh, mostly of students, that went outside of the building where we were to, to form a circle and to pray for him during this time. And uh, while the group was outside, uh, this is where Micah, we had... Um, uh, people just standing next to each other, singing songs and praying and all that kind of stuff. And Micah was standing next to Elise Ottoman, and uh, their experience together is, is what he's going to share with us. So, um, Earlier, Jeremy asked me if I was nervous about speaking, and um, I told him no, but now I am. So <laughs> that's, that's, uh, let's uh, go through this anyway. So um, we're having this experience it was an amazing God-filled experience, and um, we were just doing whatever we felt like the Spirit was telling us to do at the time, whether it be like sing or pray or you know recite Scripture. And um, it was actually amazing when people recited Scripture because God had been working through us the entire week before this spiritual attack happened with uh, with our devotionals. Um, several of us actually like read things out of our devotionals that specifically addressed this problem before it even happened. And so um, while we were there in the circle, um, most of us were singing. And I look over to my right, and Elise is just like mumbling some, some gibberish. And so I didn't know what was going on, but um, I just kind of stopped singing, and I just started listening to her. And... I could tell that it wasn't Spanish. Like I knew enough Spanish to know that it was just completely like speaking in tongues. And so I asked her about it and um, I was like, what's going on? And she didn't have an answer for me because she had no idea what she was saying. And so um, I started thinking about it and the words that were coming out of her mouth. 
And um, to me, it sounded like she was saying, the devil can't play with us. And um, that was like a crazy moment for me because all of us were were really afraid during that time of the spiritual attack because, um, you know, living in America, that stuff doesn't normally happen to us. We're, we're normally more sheltered and, you know, we don't we don't have like the real moments that you have in other countries where you have to like literally depend on God to bring you through them, and so it was just crazy having this um, this kind of moment where he could say something and then someone else could interpret it, and so um, yeah, I was really glad when I heard Jeremy speak this uh, message of the first service because um, I always thought of tongues as a kind of gift that you would that he would like give to the more important people and so i'm really glad that um i don't have to be jealous and that it was wasn't about her being better than me but you know just god wanted to work through us in different ways so um that was my experience uh, that was one of the experiences i had in costa rica and as well that i'm not planning on forgetting anytime soon tell them your conversation with elise after you uh, heard the devil can't play with us so um, immediately after I heard her say that, and I was like, hey, is God saying this? And she was like, I'm not sure, but you may be interpreting it. And um, then there was just like this overwhelming sense of relief of like that we didn't have to be afraid anymore. Because like when God's around, the devil literally can't play with you anymore. And so um, I knew that, that God was watching over us. Then he was working, and so um, I was just relieved. And uh, soon after that happened, um, one of our friends stopped um, screaming, and he stopped being attacked. And so it was just a great moment how God was just, you know, protecting us from, from everything that was going on at the moment. So, yeah. Elise's ability to speak in tongues was beneficial to her. She feels closer to God. She, she understands that moment is protected by Him. But then it, it blesses the entire body when there's an interpretation. When Micah understood what she was saying by the power of the Holy Spirit that the devil can't play with us. It was, it, and, and I was an observer to all of the stuff that's going on. There was a clear moment uh, that happened after uh, Micah had that interpretation where the power of our group, because of the blood of Christ, overpowered, overcame the, the demonic attack that was happening in the other room. Yeah. And it was... Not much longer after that that we started hearing the shouts um, from behind us. I am free. I am free. And uh, and it was it was it was a really amazing thing. Tongues tongues without interpretation is only good for the person who speaks that tongue. Or in my father-in-law's uh, experience, uh, it's only good for the people who speak Russian, right? But when it's interpreted then everyone can be uh, built up. They can experience God in a profound way and, and grow in that. Interpretation is a necessity in public settings. It's vital. Otherwise, the body of believers, the greater collection of saints, they don't get built up. 
All of the gifts, all of the gifts are important for the entire body to experience. Tongues important, interpretation important, prophecy important. But with tongues, there must be an interpretation, right, in our public settings. Now, I know that talking about this can be incredibly challenging for us to hear because it means that if we're going to experience the fullness of God, if we're going to experience the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, then we have to go to some uncomfortable places. We have to be willing when we receive a tongue to seek out interpretation. We have to be willing when we get the interpretation to share it with the rest of the church. That can be a frightening place to be. And a lot of us, and myself included... When we have to experience uncomfortable things, it becomes this objection in us. Some of us think that if something is uncomfortable, then it's not from God. And I do understand this. When I was younger, um, I, I knew that God had a plan for my life. And because I knew that he had a plan for my life, I thought that that meant he was going to keep me safe and keep me protected from all kinds of harm. And so that led me down some pretty um, weird places. Like I was willing to jump off 60-foot bridges into flowing rivers and drive really flat, fast on the highway, go in the wrong direction. And true stories. Um, stupid, stupid things that I did because I believed that God was going to protect me. Would he protect me if I had gotten hurt in those situations? No, because I'm dumb, right? And I learned that. I learned that um, because, like, I said to start reading more about the apostles in the scripture and found out how their lives ended. And that's when I realized, whoa, you know, God's plans for us are not to keep us safe, but instead to glorify him, even if it means that we lose our lives. I mean, duh. What did his son have to do for this whole thing to, oh, it just takes me a little bit longer to process all of this, so... I say this with complete empathy. God's highest priority is not to make us feel comfortable or safe. His highest priority is to be glorified. And he is most glorified when we are transformed into his son's likeness. And we become more transformed when we sit in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that teaches us about the character of God. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms us from the inside out. And we can see this multifaceted God in new ways when we begin to look at Him through different lenses, tongues being one of those ways. The picture that I think of um, is a church. Think of us, Quest. A church that's growing and maturing together as we learn more about God. You know, we see him through teaching, we see him through preaching and prayer, we see him through healing and, and all kinds of different ways that he provides us through the gifting of the Holy Spirit. But if we only choose to focus on some of those things, some of those gifts, the ones that seem more comfortable, yeah, we can see God through preaching, we can see God through teaching, we can see God through prayer, those seem comfortable. But if we only use those, then we will only see some of the characteristics of God. And if we only see some of the characteristics of God, then we can only be transformed partially here in this life. That's something that I don't want for me, and it's something I don't want for us as a church. For those of us who like to work out, who like to lift weights, anybody in here? I know one person, a couple people, all right. Bob, I'm glad Bob's in here. When we only focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's like skipping leg day. 
right? For those of you who work out, you know what it means. You know what it looks like. It's underdeveloped parts of our bodies while others are overdeveloped. Kind of, kind of like an image like this. I think there's one in there. Boom, right? In the first service, I had Bob stand up here and, and do the same thing because I didn't have the image. All right, God gave us gifts in the body to be used to develop the body of believers. Each of those gifts help us to see a clearer picture of who God is. And while some of them are uncomfortable for us to experience, they're just as important as the others. I'm going to say it another way, and this is, um, this is how Ross says it. I'm quoting him. If we are not willing to be uncomfortable, then we risk not experiencing the powerful action of the Holy Spirit. If we're not willing to be uncomfortable, then we risk not experiencing the powerful action of the Holy Spirit. God moves in mysterious ways. And, and He doesn't do it so that He can be mysterious. He does it because though we're made in His image, we are not God, right? We're not even really like God. We get to be transformed into His likeness. And therefore, we don't always recognize the things that God does all of the time. We don't always recognize the ways that He speaks to us or the way that He reveals Himself to us. And, and this is one of those beautiful things about the gift of tongues. When we don't have the words or we don't have the ideas or the ability to communicate with God what we feel or what we think or what we know, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can pray in tongues the very language of God to God. And it's mysterious, but He allows us to connect with Him in that way, which is amazing. And it inevitably changes us. It grows us. It develops us into a closer reflection of Jesus. It opens up the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can be transformed. It feels weird. Yes. It looks weird. Absolutely. It sounds weird. No doubt. It is weird. But it's a gift given to us by God so that the church can be built up. And this brings us to another very important thought. And this is where I'm going to get really challenging this morning. So, tongues is a gift that's administered by the Holy Spirit, but not to every believer. In 1 Corinthians 12.30, Paul asks this rhetorical question, do all speak with tongues? And it demands the answer of no. Not everyone speaks with tongues. Therefore, within the body of Christ, within the church, those of us who have the gift of tongues need to share it with the body in order to build up the church. It's to be used for the common good. Do not withhold it. By the way, you can substitute any of the spiritual gifts into that sentence. Those of us who have the gift of whatever, healing, prophecy, preaching, teaching, tongues, interpretation, we should be using it to build up the church. It's to be used for the common good. Do not withhold it. And this is not a gift that only pastors have or that spiritual elite have or theologians. No, that's not the way this works. We are part of the body of Christ. We are priesthood of believers. The Holy Spirit administers His gifts as He will and to whom He will. The desire of God is that we all might know Him and know Him more. And we get to know Him 
when we experience the Holy Spirit around us. That's why we're given these gifts. The gift of tongues, it's important to the body of believers. And Paul's teaching clues us into the truth that God wants us to know him more. That's the need for the interpretation. And and I want to challenge you this morning. Be willing to get uncomfortable in order that you might see God more clearly. When you see God in a new and a fresh way, then share that truth with others. Be uncomfortable, but do it. This is what we do to benefit the church. So how do we do this? And I don't really want to prescribe any new method that, um, uh, that's out there. I, I, Paul, I think, provides us with a great method in the very end of, of 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, I think his encouragement for order is very useful today. And I encourage you to read it on your own uh, as you get home. Uh, there are a couple of verses in there that you might get hung up on. And we'll, we can preach about those later, verses 34 and 35. Um, don't worry about those. But essentially what Paul says is worship should be orderly, it should be peaceful, and it should encourage others to be more like Christ. So follow the order. In today's context, in our church's context, what this means is let the planned portion of the service happen. What God gave to uh, the leaders of the church, the worship leaders, the teachers, what he gave to them through the week by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, let that stuff happen. And then as you encounter God through that stuff, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you in those movement, in those moments, if you sense the Holy Spirit causing you to speak, to prophesy, to speak in tongues, let it come out. If you think you have a word for the church, come find a pastor. Come find me. Come find Ross or Wendy or one of the elders and say, I think this is what God is telling me to tell the church. And let us, let us discern if it's beneficial for the body that day. And if it's a tongue, pray that you would have an interpretation. Do not forbid the work of the Spirit, but let Him build the body up. Get uncomfortable. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Pray that He reveals something to you and share it when He does. So let us join together in what God is doing in in this body of believers. All of us have a part to play. In a moment, we're going to worship I just want to encourage you, as we do, as you're singing the songs of of praise to God, pray in your spirit that the Holy Spirit would reveal something to you, that you could bring something beneficial to the church to bless us with, to build us up, to grow us, to mature us. Let me pray for us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us today. Show us more about who you are. Allow us to experience your power and your presence. Allow us to be bold in the midst of discomfort so that we can share what you reveal to us with this body. God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for these believers in this room. I pray that you would pour out your power, your spirit upon them. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Church, let's worship together. Let's experience the Holy Spirit.
Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you are loving Quest podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information about Quest, who we are and what we do, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thank you.